is the way. 101.1 FM. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Have we found another hook that will go into Russia's jaw? The Saudis are finally admitting to something we've known for a long time. Israel and Jordan are sparring again, but no need to worry. But should we worry about a guy named Yuval Noah Harari? Hopefully we won't create more questions than we have answers as we look at the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, April 22nd. 2022. To learn more about our program, subscribe, share, or ask a prophecy question, just go to the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net, which is the only place where you can read the articles we discuss. There you go. And now, here to help us separate fact from fiction is Pastor Mark, whose teachers told him he'd never amount to anything because he procrastinated so much. So he told him, just you wait. <laughs> that was good. Actually, my did tell one teacher did say I was going to be an astronaut. I told you that, right? No. Yeah, she told me I was taking up space. <laughs> okay, now see, see, uh, so I knew. Why didn't you forward that to me? I, I could have used that. I don't instead. know what bad joke you're going to tell about me, so I'm I have know. to add my own in there to kind of, you know. I know. Well, that's a twofer. There you go. That's a twofer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get lots of trivia. Don't usually share it because a lot of times it's just not applicable to the show. But I thought this one was kind of interesting. This is from uh, this day in 1864. The United States Congress passed the Coinage Act, Hmm. which led to In God We Trust being printed on U.S. coins. And the phrase was eventually added to all of the country's currencies. Interesting. You know what surprises me? It's still on there. Yep. Until we get data, until we get Bitcoin, then what are you going to put on there? You what can't you, in in Bit we trust. That's right. I guess. I guess. I mean, it, you know, and it is surprising yeah. it's still on there. It actually, is surprising. But, uh, and it, it, who knows? It means something to some of us, but to a lot of people, it just doesn't really mean anything. But I'm glad it's on there. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. For as long as that is going to last. But let's yeah. go ahead and get into articles, Pastor Mark. Because we've got plenty of things to talk about on this Friday. We do, we do. Our first article comes from Israel Today. An angry Putin demands control of a Jerusalem church. Mm. And this was my first teaser in the program. Could this be a... The Bible says that it will be hooks, plural, in in the jaw. Or in the jaws. Right. So it's not just one thing, it's many things. Could this be one thing? We don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting nonetheless. It is interesting that he would even care. But as you know, if you've been to Israel or seen the pictures of that great Russian Orthodox church right there on the Mount of Olives. And let me just read some of this and we'll talk about why I think it is significant to have in our stories today, our reports. Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin reportedly sent an angry letter to Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett on Sunday demanding handover control of a church in Jerusalem's old city. The Alexander Nevsky Church, also known as the Cathedral of the Holy Trinity. Again, it's the one there on the Mount of Olives with the big shiny, you know, tops. I don't know if that's real gold on them or not. Probably is, but it's beautiful. It's a Russian Orthodox Church, but not one presently under the Kremlin's control. Uh, In 2020, Russia arrested a young Israeli woman, Naamah Issachar, for possession of marijuana. In exchange for her release, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu promised to recognize the Russian government's control of the Alexander Nevsky Church. Now, he's not giving it to them, but notice the government's control. Amidst growing Russian frustration with Israel linked to the Ukraine war, Putin is now calling in that debt. So Putin's mad. He's looking for ways to kind of put pressure on Israel. So, hey, you owe me this. Uh, it says Israel for weeks maintained a degree 
of neutrality over the Russian-Ukraine war. But last week, Foreign Minister Yair Lapid joined the chorus of world voices accusing Putin and his forces of war crimes and even genocide. So here's the full story. The bottom line is Israel got involved in the Ukrainian war. They've been critical of Russia. They're supporting Ukraine. Well, that's making uh, Vladimir Putin mad. And so we've been watching this tension grow against Israel ever since the war broke out. And now we're seeing a new avenue, this kind of religious avenue coming. Well, there's a, they are an orthodox, um, unsaved country. They're unsaved in the largest part. I've been to Russia, and there's a lot of orthodox, unsaved people. They go through the religious rituals, but there's no real relationship to God. I'm not saying there's not many believers there. There are a lot of Christians in Russia, a lot of believers, and maybe even among the orthodox. But there's a large Orthodox unsaved contingent, and there's a lot of pride in their religion. And even the war has to do with pride, because Kiev has to do with where the Russian Orthodox Church uh, began, uh, believe it or not. So now they're calling out this. So he's got this religious thing to him. He doesn't know the Lord, but he's got this religious thing that is coming into play. And now, again, as a part of his anger and tension toward Israel, he's now bringing that into the equation. And, Greg, you know, I do think you're right. There's going to be multiple things that get him to the boiling point that make him move, and this very well may be one of them. Well, here's where I would suggest, or not that it would be, but that there could be a possibility that this could be a hook of several hooks, and only because uh, a lot of these actions line up, and certain things line up similarly with Islam. And that is, is that in Islam... When you own property, it it is Islamic property. It's it's Muslim property. It never reverts in their mind. Yeah, if, it, if, it, it never goes back. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is is that maybe what he's thinking is because that's a Russian Orthodox Church that was established by the Russian Orthodox religion, right? Coming from Russia, that somehow in his mind he might be thinking. That is sovereign territory to me because it belongs to the Russian Orthodox Church in his mind. So that would give him cause or, in his mind, justification of coming in if Israel somehow doesn't give Moscow control of the church. I don't know what that means I don't know what his end game is in that. You know, is yeah. it that a way to get his people in deep into Jerusalem so they can be there under the guise of yeah. you know we're 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 overseeing the church, Russian control, but we're really there to spy on you, right? Deeper. I mean, I, I don't know. There there may very well be something that again he sees kind of as a, we have a right to this because it's a Russian Orthodox Church and and they see Jerusalem as a world city rather than really to the Jews. But um, at the same time, I know that Islam is the only one that sees when they take territory, it always remains theirs. I don't think the Orthodox Church in Russia has that same view. However, it doesn't negate the fact that he may be seeing it that as, hey, that's kind of ours. And so, exactly, yeah, I, not, I, yeah, not that it's standard protocol for for Russians to think like that, right. but in Putin's mind, yeah. is justification. Maybe he's well, thinking along those same lines. We know it's interesting, Greg. Something just popped into my brain, and it's not a big enough thing, I don't think. To make an issue, but who knows if things get weird enough and if he's looking for an excuse to come in. Right. They're claiming one of the main reasons they went into Kiev is because it was to rescue the Russian Orthodox home birthplace. So you could see how they could say, look, now we want to go in and rescue the Russian Orthodox Church on the Mount of Olives, which is where Jesus Christ came, where it all began, and the Jews don't belong there, and this is the world's, and we're coming in to rescue that. You know, nobody would buy that. Um, but it may be an excuse they could add to why we're coming in. We don't know. So there may be kind of a link there. There, That could be a hook. It very well could be, especially when you talk about uh, the world turning toward a one-world religion in the last days. So that will be interesting to watch. You have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, our next story is actually been several of these. Uh, I'm just picking one for you to go off of. And this is from Israel Today. And the Saudis, or actually, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of another article coming up. Yeah. Uh, this one is just by itself. Right. But this is from Israel Today. The Saudis say the Temple Mount and the al Mosque are not important to Islam. And we've been saying that yeah. on the show 
for years. That's right. Just because it's a known fact in the religion of Islam that just isn't. Yeah, among the Islamic... Third or fourth ranked, or maybe? It's it's number three to them, but but among the Islamic community, Greg, they don't really see this as something that's really, you know, this big of a deal. They're simply using it politically, because they know the world doesn't know that, and they can use it politically. It's a lot like the racism card, or the whatever, environmental card. You use whatever you can to advance your political agenda. But it's interesting that Saudi's coming out and and saying this. It shows how much more of a friend they are becoming to Israel. Really, yeah. And listen to this article. Palestinian politicians, clerics, and terrorist warlords tirelessly invoke the Temple Mount, Al-Aqsa Mosque, as a rallying cry to stir up the pan-Muslim emotions against Israel. The Jews are threatened to Judaize, they say, the Islamic holy site, claim the Palestinians even as they reject the biblical history of Mount Moriah. See, to Israel, that's the number one site. To the to Islam, it's number three, and even not even that big to them. And three, that what attracts them there is they say that Muhammad tied his horse to the Western Wall when he flew up, you know, when he did that flying on a horse and came back, or went to heaven and back, um, and etc. So, Anyway, that's where they give some credence to it. It says the article goes on, but according to a bunch of Saudis and other Middle East Arabs on social media, the Temple Mount and even the Al-Aqsa itself aren't all that holy to them. One of the more viral tweets was posted by Saudi cartoonist Fad al-Jabiri, who wrote that the direction of the prayers of the Jews is not important to us. What is important to us is our, our homeland. By referencing the direction of the prayers of the Jews, Al-Jabiri implicitly recognized the Jewish connection to the Temple Mount because they turn and face that when they pray, thus contradicting the Palestinian narrative on the matter. There were a flood of tweets expressing support and even love for Israel. Uh, Most were in Arabic, but the few in English were no less heartwarming. Uh, one reacted to a previous tweet calling Jerusalem the occupied Palestinian capital, and the Saudi corrected the original by noting that Jerusalem is actually the eternal capital of the Jewish people. These are Saudis saying that. So again, and, and, and truly that is, that is the headquarters. That's literally the Mecca of Islam. That's where Mecca is, is in Saudi Arabia. So why is there such a, uh, a fight over the Temple Mount? Listen, it's two reasons. Number one is spiritual. Satan hates Israel and he's going to fight that. Number two, it's political because it can be used for their means to gain land or do whatever they're doing. Um, and really, lastly, in that list is is something to do with Islam, because it's not that big of a sight to them. That should probably shock a lot of our listeners. But it doesn't shock those who are in the know, those that are involved in Islam, as well as the Jews. They know that. Um, they just play the game. You know, Israel's mentioned some, Jerusalem has mentioned some 800 times in the Bible. And guess how many times it's mentioned in the Quran? I know you probably already know the answer. Zero. Zero. It's not mentioned one time. Jerusalem is not mentioned in, in what they call the holy writings of Islam. So you can see it's not that big of a deal to them, but they use it spiritually. It's, it's Satan stirring them to, to use it to fight the Jews, and they use it on the earthly realm politically to advance yeah. their agenda. But yet here, here's a, an Islamic country coming out and saying, hey, this isn't really that important to us. Yeah, it's really... Uh, so that really... that That's really a... a I don't know what what you would call it, not necessarily a slap, but it uh, uh, it hinders the the movement when you've got you know reputable Islam and the country that actually houses yeah. Mecca, yeah, <laughs> that people yeah. make the pilgrimage to for Ramadan every year. Yeah. Come out and say that it's such a bizarre setup, Greg. Because again, remember it's broken up into two main factions: the, the Sunnis. Yeah. Um, and the Sunnis are the ones, um, um, the Sunni and the Shia, the Sunnis right. are the ones that really, they say it's not a big deal. It's like Baptist versus Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, the Sunnis are like Egypt and Saudi Arabia and all that, and, and they say, hey, this is just Islam. Yeah. Shia, that's Iran and those that are aggressively against Israel. Yes. They're the ones that say that um, you had to be a direct descendant of Muhammad to be the leader and, and et cetera. And so they're a lot more, uh, they're more radical, if you will, and they're the ones that hate really trying to destroy Israel. Saudi Arabia and Egypt aren't trying to destroy them. They probably wouldn't cry if they disappeared, um, but they're not trying to destroy them. Iran and uh, these other countries that are Shia, yeah. and they want to destroy them. They hate them. So understand there's a difference there as yeah. well. And it's interesting that the Sunnis are the ones that have the main, the Mecca, if you will, and, and the ones that are the most aggressive and radical for Islam, they have to go to the more less aggressive to go and worship 
um, their God there in Islam. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting setup. Very interesting. Okay, Pastor Mark, our next article comes from Times of Israel. And uh, speaking of countries that, uh, you know, m- most countries surrounding Israel hate her. Yeah. With the exception of Jordan. However, as of late, Israel's had problems with Jordan. Right. Senior Israeli diplomat takes Jordan to task for harsh Temple Mount criticism. Yeah. So let's explain about this and yeah. why, even though this is a heightened situation, we still don't need to worry. Yeah, we don't need to. And also, we have to realize, at least on paper, Egypt and Jordan, on paper, have a written peace agreement with the nation of Israel. Yeah. And again, we'll get to why it's not a concern long term. But but again, Israel is considering possible responses, it says, to the conduct of the Jordanian foreign minister, who summoned an Israeli representative to Jordan for clarification. Political sources claim that Jordan's conduct in recent days has encouraged tensions in Jerusalem and backed Arab riots in the old city of Jerusalem. By the way, they're doing that today. There's riots going on like crazy. Uh, I know their hours are off from hours, but here in this last day, they've had lots of... Oh, this Friday. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a mess You know, right now. Still going on there on the Temple Mount anyway. Jerusalem noted that Israel uh, eased restrictions for the Muslim Holy Month of Ramadan. Um, I wonder if they stay at their Ramadan. Robin Don. Just a thought. I doubt it. But anyway, but its leniency was used to gather the store and store stones to throw at security forces and Jewish worshipers to engage in riots. Prime Minister Natalie Bennett, Foreign Minister Yair Lapid, have claimed over the past few months that there has been a significant warning or warming in Israel Jordanian relations. And recently, King Abdullah met in, in the defense ministry, Benny Gantz, um, President Isaac Herzog met there as well. Now, Again, here's why you said we don't worry, Greg, and you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, we're going to be covering this next Wednesday night in Isaiah, the prophecies of mm. Isaiah. He's going to talk about this when we get to Isaiah oh, very cool. chapter 16. We'll be there next week. And what's going to happen is when the Antichrist stands up in the temple mount and declares that he's God, the Bible says that those who know what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and probably others who just watch these people leaving and decide to run with them, maybe not knowing the scripture, but leave with them. Um, it, Jesus told him to flee down to um, the wilderness, which we believe is identified in Isaiah 16 as Petra. And so they're going to, it would appear to be fleeing down to Petra to get away from the Antichrist, where God will protect them for the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Petra is in Jordan. And so we see the, God says to them in Isaiah, let them come in. Don't stop them. Hide them. Give them a place. So we know that Jordan is going to allow the Jews to come in as they flee from the Antichrist when he declares that he's God. They will most likely go down there to Petra. They'll be hidden there and protected for that three and a half years while they're down there. Uh, and you might be wondering, how could any Jews know what Jesus said? Remember, um, the, a lot of the Jews know the New Testament. And a lot of the Jews know what Jesus said specifically because the Israeli tour guides they have to know the New Testament to some degree, or else they can't really associate with all the Christian tourists coming in. They've got to be able to know the story of the New Testament, how it plays in. And so they tell about the historic part of it, but they have to know it to link it in. And then they listen to all the tour guides talk about what Jesus said. Those tour guides, Greg, have heard over and over about Jesus saying, flee down to Petra. So there'll be a large portion of the Jews who know that scripture. And when they see the Antichrist declare that he's God... They're going to take off down there. So um, we do know that Jordan's going to let them in. And again, it leads into the next article I'll let you lead us into. But it, they're, they're saying there's a political reason behind it. Unless you drop the article. No, I, I dropped that okay. because they were both. So why you don't you go ahead? That. Yes. He told me that I remember now, but I want to make a point about yeah, the other absolutely. articles. Yes. In the other article that we had about this, because we had multiple, and no need to cover them It'll still be online. Yeah, It'll but still we, be online. Right. We didn't need to cover them all, but I want to bring one point out. He says that the Jordanian politicians behind the scenes are saying, you know, we have to do this to keep the Muslims happy. We really mm. are not against you guys. We're not trying to fight against just you. Just window dressing. So it may just be political jargon, political posturing, uh, so they can say, see, we're on your side. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, we know this. They're going to let the Jews flee down there because God's going to make them let them flee down there. And it's interesting, Greg. You know, there's an interesting connection to the Jordanians. Uh, Jordan didn't exist until um, 19 um, after World War II. Uh, in 1947, 48, when the UN was dividing up the new territories over there, they gave a land they called Jordan. They literally were born at that time and existed. Then a lot of people don't know that. Um, and it was just cut up by the UN. It was cut up and all these, they gave Israel and all these people, whatever. But that land historically is, is, is Ammon and Moab. 
and Edom covers really the whole region. It's, it's on the other side of Israel. And the upper part is Ammon. Where, and again, we, it's where Ammon, we call it Ammon today. Yes. You go down toward the middle, you get into Moab, and then down into the Edom area. And the Edom area are the descendants of, um, of Jacob. I'm sorry, of Esau, Esau, Esau the, yeah. Jacob's brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's down there where Petra is. Well, it's interesting. When they flee, they'll flee into Moab, and they'll work their way down toward Petra. Again, I'm kind of sharing a little bit what we'll get into next week, so I don't waste too much time here. But real quickly, there's been a historic connection to Moab. You remember David um, is one-fourth Moabite. Uh, David's mother was Ruth. David's uh, David's great-great-grandmother was Ruth. Yeah. And um, and so he's one-fourth Moabite. She was from Moab. And remember when David wanted to hide his parents from Saul because he was afraid he would kill David's family, he took them down into Moab and let them stay there, probably with some family. They knew of the connections of Ruth. So there's a connection to, to modern-day Jordan and Israel mm-hmm. in family, even as there's a connection to Saudi Arabia as literally the descendants of Ishmael and the true Arabs. So there's a whole kind of family cousin third removed you know all going on there so you know god's going to say look you've had this established let them come in these these guys are family and so we're going to see that happening again in the last days yeah well listen if uh pastor mark talking about uh being in the book of isaiah on wednesday nights for you uh our prophecy posse out there uh if you're interested and you don't attend our church and you've already got the way media app or you can go to the waymedia.net you can watch our wednesday night service live uh, where you can uh, listen to Pastor Mark uh, take us through the book of Isaiah on Wednesday night, and you can also listen to the past studies from the book of Isaiah, and he just started into it, so you shouldn't have to go that far back to listen to these. He does a few chapters at a time, and they're very, very interesting because... Isaiah is just chock full of prophecy, not just prophecy about the future, uh, but prophecy about Jesus. I mean, there's just there's just so much there that we can learn from and be encouraged by and be educated by and apply it to our lives today. So I encourage you to do that if you have not done so already. I know I've had some people uh, come to me and and tell me uh, that. Because I announced this on the show, they started coming to the Wednesday night service and have been coming oh, wow. because it, it's been such a blessing. So it's a great midweek pick me up. Oh, yeah. uh, we worship the Lord and get into his word. And, and if you're out there in the working world, there's nothing like a good spiritual fill up in the middle of the week. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into some Ezekiel 38 and 39 news as we roll on with episode 212 of Signs of the Times. This is our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the news as we join the Jerusalem Post to see Algeria and Italy are signing a gas deal as Europe looks to wean off Russian energy. If you think Russia's mad with all these other people, let's add a few more countries into the mix. Yeah, no kidding. You know, we've talked in the past about the connection with Israel and their gas supplies and their oil supplies and how that could inflame, no pun intended, um, Russia. But now we're seeing the oil and gases being lit in two other countries, and that is Algeria and Italy. And, and, And it says Algeria will increase its natural gas exports to Italy through a Mediterranean pipeline by 40%. That's huge. Italy Prime Minister Mario Draghi announced on Monday. Now, again, why the, why is this significant? Again, you're watching an overall kind of um, worldwide inflammation of Russia. I mean, everything is happening to Russia right now to get them inflamed, to get them angry, to get them mad. So it's not just um, Israel does something, that's the hook in the jaw. It's It's... It's the world right now, and Israel's going to be one of those that might jump into the fray here before too long on the gas and oil, and then all the other issues we talked about with the Orthodox Church there on the Mount of Olives, and all the other issues going on. The key here is to keep this in mind with Ezekiel 38 and 39, and Russia getting uh, so upset that they're going to start acting out and eventually move against the nation of Israel, and when they do, God's going to destroy them and wipe them out. Again, I, I... I don't know if we'll be here to see that or not, but Greg, can you imagine? I was thinking today, what if we're here and we're watching this take place? It's going to be um, horrific and exciting at the same time. You realize that there's going to be a massive destruction of, of major armies coming in, a lot of loss of life, major destruction. But the excitement of God protecting the nation of Israel, pouring out his spirit on the nation and seeing them come alive and recognizing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I mean, there's so much going on here that it's just very, very exciting in a, in a very strange way with what's going to happen, but exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, to that point, uh, you know, what's interesting is we look at the prophetic timeline, and a lot of it we can see is linear. Right. Certain things 
aren't linear, and one of them is the rapture. Right. We don't know where that falls, just like we don't know where the prophecy of Isaiah 17.1 falls. Yeah. It, now, we we can surmise that it would happen coinciding with Ezekiel 38 and 39, just because of its geographical proximity right, the destruction to everything of that's going to be yeah. happening. Yeah. But you know, you you mentioned about the rapture. You know, if we're if we're here to see that, I don't know. To me, in my mind, if we're here to see that, we're, I mean, we're like you know, warning sirens. You know, grab your luggage. You know, it's going. So, in that respect, what would you think about potentially the rapture happening simultaneously? Yeah. With Ezekiel 38 and 39, and the only reason I say that is because the depiction of what's going to happen with Ezekiel, which is going to usher in the arrival of the Antichrist right. to bring peace to the to the world. The, right. Ezekiel's a regional conflict. It's right. going to be, you know, gi- ginormous in yeah. its proportions of what's going to happen as the Bible describes it, but it's not global. Yeah. But the rapture... That would be a global event that would cause havoc, right? Along with Ezekiel, yeah. And now here comes somebody to solve the global problems, right? Anyway, just a thought. No, let's talk about it for a minute. This yeah. is good. Let's talk about it. Now, here's the thing: we don't know the timing. If Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine could happen, and there'd be a slight delay before the Antichrist comes on the scene, as the world's kind of figuring out what's going on, so we don't know. That's we don't why know. I said it, we no. could be here. Yeah. Um, but as far as the simultaneous rapture, Greg, I've often thought that and probably lean toward that more than anything else. And here's why. And and it might be global. Uh, and here's why I say that. Not necessarily, but maybe. And here's why. It does say that when Russia comes oh, in. the coastlands. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, they will, that God will send fire yes. to the coastlands. Well, the question is, what are the coastlands? The coastlands could just be the Mediterranean You're right, yeah. and the border of Israel. That could be the coastlands, and, and it really could be. And, and I think some people take that position. But if it did turn into a larger-scale thing, you know, Putin has already been threatening using nuclear weapons. Let's say he realizes my army, because he's not going to be there. He'll live through this. Whoever's in control of Russia will live through this battle. He'll be sitting back in Russia calling the shots. It'll be his army that gets wiped out. So he'll still have the button. When he sees his army being wiped out, will it be a big enough pressure to go, I'm hitting the button, and we see some fire in the coastlands, and there's a limited nuclear exchange around the globe? Now, why do I bring that up? There could be. The Bible doesn't say there won't. We know that mankind won't be wiped out because we know through the Great Tribulation, people will still be here, even when the Lord comes back in the second coming. But, Greg, millions of people would all disappear at once if there was a limited nuclear war. But and the, if they all disappeared at the same time Russia went in, that could be the rapture of the church and explain it to people of the earth. But the problem with that is then God doesn't get the glory. Well, we're not talking about the glory with Israel. I, I know. I'm talking about around the world. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, here's, I, here's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Let me back up. I, I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking like the ring of fire, the volcanic no, right, activity. Right. I'm thinking of more okay, along right, those let me, lines. Let me, let me back up and give more info because I see what you're thinking. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. So I'm good because your other people are probably thinking that way too. That's not what I'm thinking. Okay, Russia and the armies come in, and God supernaturally does something. Whether it's an earthquake, it's something that the world goes, this is supernatural. Then the leader of Russia goes, I just got wiped out. I don't care how, but now I'm going to take action, apart from the supernatural thing where everybody recognizes God intervened. I'm going to hit a button and take a few nations out. So after the fact, he sends some fire to the coastlands, and then suddenly large groups of people disappear at the same time God gets the glory for the miracle that he just did with Russia invading. And at the same time, God gets the glory. No nukes in no nukes in Israel. No nukes there. That's just God does supernatural. I see, yeah. But now people disappear globally because of this explosion. And the world's not going to go where they go. They're gonna, I know where they went. They're, everybody's gone because of nuclear you know, war. Now, I'm not saying that'll happen that way. I'm saying that could be one possible scenario. Yeah. Only God knows. Yep. That's true. And you know, Greg, God may even do it in a way so that they don't need an explanation. Here's something else I'll throw in the mix. Okay. God may want the world to go, where'd everybody go? Almost like an act of mercy to say, now, those of you that know, I've been warning you, it happened. And you can't deny it. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to continue to reject me? Or are you going to go, wow, the rapture really took place? We are really left behind. 
And we have a choice to make. Some people still shake their fist in God's face. He might do it so dramatically that everybody knows that was God and they go and they get saved. That could be a big portion of those getting saved after the rapture of the church. We don't know. We'll wait and see. That's another option. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, is that, you know, you think about Noah and the flood and how that's a depiction of the rapture. I believe it is, yes. It goes in seven days early, raises them up off the earth, sends his wrath, comes back down with the saints, and that's something, and and reestablishes a new beginning. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a definite picture. If if God were to ignite all the volcanoes that are around the world, it would almost be a flood of fire. Yeah. Yeah, that could be amazing. Well, you have a mess. And I think, Greg, that may, the, the volcanic activity, I think, plays in somewhere because when the, a third of the sun, yeah. a third of the sun, they all go now, dark. that happens later, though, right? Yes, it yeah. does. But some, but it could happen during, the, it happens during the last three and a half years. And yeah. we're talking about the beginning of the yeah. last year. So let's say some takes place right, right there. Yeah. And then later on, see, that's the beginning of yeah. the earth rumbling and boom, more of them. But you're right. What if a bunch of volcanoes and people disappear? I mean, there's all kinds of things. It's all kinds of things. Uh, but and it's interesting. It is interesting. And, of course, we're going to be watching it from the from the heavenly seats, and I can't yes. wait. And the I, heavenly grandstand. Look, the more I see happening, again, for those of you yeah. out there that hear this and you get concerned, this shouldn't be a reason for concern. It's a reason for mm. excitement. Not yes. the excitement of the destruction of anything yeah. on the earth. It's the excitement that we're about to see the kingdom established, and it's going to be so amazing for the rest of eternity. Amen. You're listening to Signs of the Times. This is our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville. This is episode 212 for those that are podcasting. Wherever you listen to your podcast, more than likely you will find us there. Just search for Signs of the Times. And we know that there are lots of Signs of the Times programs out there, but there's only one us. So make sure to listen for Signs of the Times featuring Pastor Mark Kirk. All right, let's get to America. Come back to the countryside here. Uh, This is from Breitbart. That's right. I'm going to do it again. Breitbart.com. Like bright colors, bright light, bright sun. Yes, I know. You're a bright guy. Going to do it. (laughs) New York Times op-ed on the Holy Weekend. I'm assuming this was uh, talking about this past Easter. Yes, Resurrection Weekend and Easter, yes. Um, The the op-ed says, let's get rid of God. Yeah. Hey, what a great idea. Huh? Yeah, this is, and you're seeing more of this, Greg. I'm seeing more of this sentiment and boldness coming up in yeah. articles, and we have something Shows you to follow. the darkness. This. Yeah, we're, and we're going to take a moment here. You'll see why in a moment. Let me read a little bit of this article. This is amazing. It shows that just the brazenness of people to just in God's face. I think about Judgment Day. Oh, my goodness. Uh, again, titled, In This Time of War, I Propose We Give Up God. The article claims that God is responsible for war and violence. Again, they obviously don't know the Bible because the Bible right. says Satan and mankind is responsible yes. for war. I'm not going to, I could go off forever. Let me go yeah. on. <laughs> and for oppression and suffering and suggest that people stop teaching children about him. Yeah, we'd rather teach them about uh, inappropriate sexual issues while they're babies rather than God. Author, Sh- author Shalom Oslander. Isn't that funny? Peace. I guess this guy's Jewish. I think he is. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. There we go. I'm sorry. I missed that line when I read it, but notice this. Author Shalom Oslander, who is disillusioned about his upbringing in a religious Jewish community in New York, argues this. God, it seems, paints with a wide brush. He paints with a roller. In Egypt, said our rabbi, he even killed firstborn cattle. He killed cows. If, If he were mortal, the God of Jews, Christians, and Muslims would be dragged to the Hague. And yet we praise him, we emulate him, we implore our children to be like him. Perhaps now as missiles rain down on the and the dead are discovered in mass graves, it's a good time to stop emulating this hateful God. Perhaps we can stop extolling his brutality. Perhaps now is a good time to teach our children to pass over God. Wow. Isn't that just what an insult? Um, to be as unlike him as possible. Now you talk about blasphemy. This is the voice of Satan speaking through this man. And again, we know we're going to see more and more of this in the last days. And let me just give an explanation before we even move into phase two of what we're going to talk about a little bit on this issue. Um, but again, it just shows the general misunderstanding of mankind when it comes to God. You oftentimes hear people say, if God is a God of love, then why? And fill in the blank. Why do babies die? Why does there rape, murder, all these things, bad things happen? If you understood the Bible and believed it, all those things would be answered. The Bible says mankind fell in the garden. When when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they fell. And, and when they fell, the Bible says, at, before they fell, the world was perfect. There was no death. There was no evil. There was nothing, etc. like that. Everything was perfect. But when they fell, death and evil and sin entered the world. So 
Now, because of the fall, we have disease, we have war, we have violence, we have hatred, we have all these things. God didn't do any of these things. God created the earth perfect and in perfect love and shalom, peace, okay? So God did it beautifully and wonderfully, and there was man messed it up when we yielded to Satan and his lies. And what's amazing is, now we see Satan speaking through man, even as he did to them, to man in the garden. Now he speaks through man. First of all, this uh, author, Shalom Oslander, this guy that's blaspheming God uh, there in New York and, and speaking for the New York Times in this op-ed, this is the, the age-old lie of Satan. And the thing I want you to notice is, this is the voice of Satan. Now, Satan speaks through mankind today, very clearly. And there's one particular individual that he is speaking through um on a regular basis, um, and the world is listing, much of the world, some of you may not even have heard of And him. really the leaders of the world, more yeah, specifically. And, and, and yes, and that's it. And this guy, I want to talk for a minute, because we talked about this particular man, Satan speaking through him. There's another man Satan is speaking through so clearly, and how I know that, it's not just because I don't like what they're saying. It's, it's literally the voice of Satan you can pull out of Scripture of what Satan says. And so this next guy is speaking very clearly for Satan. Again, another Jewish person. Great, isn't it amazing? Both of these articles about are these things we're going to talk about about people speaking through the mouth of Satan. They are Jewish, and the Jews of all people should be the ones speaking for God. They should be a mouthpiece for God Almighty. They should be a mouthpiece for Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior of the world, and of their people. And instead, they've decided to reject God. And now that Satan speaks through them. And by the way, what greater insult could Satan give to God than to take those he had chosen, deceive them, and now speak through them back to God? You see the mockery of Satan here. This is spiritual. It's demonic. It's much higher than these men. These men, this first one and the second we're going to mention, they're just pawns in this game. Uh, but this guy I'm talking about is Yuval Noah Harari. And let me tell you a little bit of who he is. Yuval Noah Harari is an Israeli public intellectual, it says. Historian. By the way, he calls himself a historian that speaks futuristically, a prophetic historian. He literally said in, in one of the clips I heard him, he wants to change history in the way that it's viewed into a new way. So he's not really a historian. He's, 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 he's a revisionist. He's a revisionist who calls himself a historian who, who the world leaders today call a prophet. And I'll get back to that. A historian and professor. He's a professor in the Department of History at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And do you know where he was educated at? Well, he was um, in my brief little bio I did, or I don't see that. Where was it? Uh, I think it was uh, Jesus University or Jesus College. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't I know that. I think from 98 to 2002, I think, right. I, what I read today. All right, because I just have his bio right okay. here. They don't mention that. Probably well, he's he not going to mention yeah, that. I'm sure you're going to leave yeah. that part out. But anyway, this is a guy you're going to be, you may not hear a lot about, and you may not hear a lot about in the future, but you may hear more about him, and especially our prophecy people on here, you're going to hear about this guy. This guy is demonic. This guy literally speaks for Satan, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not possessed. I think sometimes we think about possession, possession at falling down and foaming at the mouth. Yeah. But remember, Judas was possessed, and he acted very normal. Satan actually possessed yeah. Judah, uh, Judas, and he acted very normal during that time. So yeah. don't think that just because somebody's possessed that they're, they're going to foam at the mouth. Yeah. He's at the apex of 1 John 5.19. Those that are not in Christ Jesus are under the sway or the influence of the enemy. Uh, and, and really, he is under great influence, yeah. you could say at the very least, yeah. let alone a possession. But what's interesting is the words out of his mouth are literally as if he is opening up the Bible yeah. and reading of the prophecies concerning the Antichrist yeah. in the future. Yeah. That's what's so telling I, about this. If I was an Antichrist searcher, um, um, you know, bounty hunter. If I was an yeah. Antichrist bounty hunter. <laughs> you, well, you are the Pastor Lorian. There you go. There you go. If I had, if I was, if I was the, the, and I could do that that way, I would, this would, this would be a guy I would look at and say, hey man, this guy could be the Antichrist. But I don't believe that he is. Let me make this clear to our listeners. First of all, I don't think we'll know who he is until he appears. No. Number two, I could be totally wrong on this, but I think he's going to come on the scene at around 30 because he's trying to imitate Jesus in everything in every Jesus way. did. Now, yeah. um, the Bible doesn't say that. doesn't say it. So I want to clarify that. Sur- surmising. But I yes. do not believe he's the Antichrist, but he's speaking from the same voice of the Antichrist. This yeah. is, Satan is speaking through him the way that he will speak through the Antichrist. The difference is the Antichrist will speak through, or Satan will speak through the Antichrist the same way he speaks through Yuval Noah Harari, but he'll give him power, supernatural power. Now, 
A little more about Yuval before we get into this clip I've got for you today, because I want to spend some time on him. It's too important. The world leaders today look to this man. They actually call him, many of them, a prophet. It's almost like God has his prophets and Satan has his prophets. It's almost like a forerunner to John the Baptist. It, it really is amazing. Um, again, he is a he is the man, he has the ear of all the world leaders at the World Economic Forum. Uh, he has the ear of the leaders at the World Government Summit. Uh, uh, President Obama, other presidents have praised him as this great you know speaker, leader, whatever. And many of them call him a prophet. Okay, now you got to understand how evil this guy is. Let me just read. If you go to his webpage, let me read what's on his webpage, and I'm going to play a clip for you. We're going to play a clip, and I'm going to give you some things to listen for. Um, but on his webpage, this is his statement that's on every, you know, the picture's changed, but he's got a statement that stays there the whole time. It says this. First of all, let me say this. Remember when Satan was in the garden, he said to Adam and Eve, what he said, you can be like God. That's you can be a God. That's the voice of Satan. We know that from Genesis chapter 3. Listen what Yuval Noah Harari says here. And I quote from his webpage on the front page. History we history began when humans invented gods, and it will end when humans become gods. He is saying you can be like God. And Greg, he's doing it out in the open. This isn't kind of one of those... Oh, we found this in some of his books on page 453, you know, right, in the right. footnote. No, this is the major statement on his webpage that all these world leaders are looking and saying, this guy's a genius, this guy's a prophet, this guy's our future, whatever. You, you can see it. the world is getting ready for the Antichrist in an amazing way. Now, I want to play a clip. It's four minutes long. Normally, I wouldn't do this. I would just tell you what he said. But I think the impact of hearing him say yeah. these things himself, we'll probably, we'll probably do this one time ever, but I want you to hear it because he's going to talk about us humans being gods. He believes we're going to evolve to the next place of being a god. He thinks that only those who get the survival of the fittest, the elite, if you will, will do it, that everyone else is going to fade to fade away. And, and basically, he wants to get rid of mankind. He talks about the uselessness of mankind, that mankind has no purpose, that we can be gods. And, he, and it's all these things the Bible says the Antichrist will do and that the world will do in the last days. So let's listen to Yuval Noah Harari in his own words. Pay attention to what he says. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, let's move. We have all this still myth of free will. That everything we choose is of our own free will. And this is a myth that served us well for a couple of centuries, but now it's becoming dangerous. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin. Now it's going under the skin. Well, I think maybe in a couple of decades when people look back, the thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And, if, and this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored. That we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time. Not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. When all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the Son of God, this is fake news. Wait, that's not true. We need some kind of global loyalty and global identity. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. We can't regulate bioengineering just in one country because if you don't genetically engineer human babies in Spain, hmm. but you do it in China, then very soon, even the Spanish will say, hey, we don't want to stay behind. Yeah. Very soon, biometric sensors and AI will give computers direct access mm. to your heart and to your brain. Mm -hmm. Like already people wearing these rings or these uh, uh, bracelets that constantly measure blood pressure, heart rate. So the computer can watch you and know not only if you're smiling, but if your blood pressure is a little high, is a little low, and that gives indication if you're angry, if you're bored. I do. And you know, the AI, this revolution is barely five years old. 
Yeah. We haven't seen anything yet. And then the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, at present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Is this ability to hack humans, which means the ability to know people better than they know themselves. When you look from the grand historical perspective, the whole of human history, I think there is a line in the sand, the watershed, which completely changes politics, society, everything, which is the moment when an external system better than they know themselves. So we need to be kind of very precise. How to work with the beast and not try to work against it. In, in Asha, you, you have power somehow to, to convince leaders. Asha, how, how are you yourself? So I, I now have an, a, a team that is helping me deal with that. It's impossible to deal with such a thing just on just one person. So mm -hmm. people see me and they think I'm doing everything. I actually do very little. And the people who really work hard are my team members who uh -huh. organize this and, and, and everything. I'll send you and, a CV. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, um, and also, I, I repeatedly tell people that they shouldn't see me as a kind of prophet or guru. I Wow. Yeah. There's no other word but wow. To work with the beast. Yeah, there's so many things I want to point out. Listen, this, this is a voice of Satan here speaking through this guy. It's quite amazing. He's he is a he is a willing vessel that just Satan flows through. And so truly he may be a prophet. Um, but it's a prophet of Satan. And I think indeed he might be. I, I would say you talk about people that channel. I, I I I wonder if he's not possessed. I'm not saying Satan is in him, but another demon maybe. But he certainly speaks through him. If he's not possessed, he is certainly a willing vessel. Even as us as believers are willing vessels for the Holy Spirit to speak through and work. He's a willing vessel for Satan to work through. And it's amazing how the world's bowing down, which shows there's some power and authority being given to him somewhere. He's saying crazy things, and people are talking about how great he is. I mean, it, let's look at what he said. Number one, we can be gods, right? Um, he talked about uh, the fact that we can be hackable, and, and they want to go under the skin. We're talking about the mark of the beast, where they'll be able to monitor all of us and put something, you know, in our skin, our hand or our forehead. Talks about in Revelation 13. He will deceive the nations through pharmakia. Exactly. Talked about drugs. There's the pharmakia. We talked about in the last days. He's going to be using video games. He's he's literally saying what Revelation says the Antichrist will do. So there's going to be drugs uh, uh, altering people's minds. There's going to be a mark put into people. Uh, he's going to convince people that they can be gods. Um, he alone will be God. But again, that same voice that you can be a god. He's saying that people can. So eventually, worship me alone. Um, and and then he says, you know, you have to work with the beast. Now, I realize you could say that's a, a Freudian slip, as they say, um, you know, because he's talking about the, the whatever the machine. But it's interesting, his his verbiage. I think this everything's is, intentional. Man, from this him. is the enemy just speaking yes. through this guy. I mean, it, it's really but I wanted you to hear it. So this is the guy that right now the world leaders are looking to the World Economic Forum. They 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 say they have. Disciples from their school, if you will, in every government in the world. Here in America, we've got them. They're in major uh, positions of government. Uh, John Kerry, um, you know, actually Justin Trudeau in Canada, oh, yeah. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Can, there's the a whole list. list. Goes on. Yeah, you can look the list up online. They, they're, they're not ashamed of it. They put it out there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm saying the infrastructure for the Antichrist is obviously in place. He's got people that are literally channels for the voice of Satan speaking to mankind. The world is going along going, yeah, just, you know, get me drugs and video games. I'll be happy. A big portion of them. Um, the leader's saying we need to kill off a bunch of people. We don't need them. They're, they call them. They literally call them. I didn't have it on this clip. But they literally call us useless eaters. It's a phraseology they use in the World Economic Forum. They say, what are we going to do with all the useless eaters? And that's us. He was talking about what are we going to do with the useless people? They, they ultimately want to say we want to just kill them because we don't need them, which, again, is the goal to depopulate. But rather than coming right out and saying that, they'll say, well, we'll just keep them drugged up and on video games. This is truly, um, we're watching it unfold, guys. And, and you talk about the last days. It is upon us. We're here. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for believers to wake up and realize we're in the middle of watching the Bible take place. If you didn't believe before, you need to open your eyes because there's no excuse now. Yeah. Now, again, we could talk forever. I don't want to spend the whole time on, on, on this guy. That's We've said enough about him. But I wanted our listeners to hear from themselves, yeah. and I think it was much more impactful. And so, um, again, just keep your eye on this guy. We'll keep you updated of things you need to know, what the world's doing. And you'll, he's kind of the guy working behind the scenes. Yeah. So very interesting. He sure is.
Okay, past work. Let's uh, get into some weird news. This is from Space.com. Hologram doctors are beamed to space station to visit the astronauts. How about that? You know, I'm going to freak you out before we even okay. read this one. Uh, this is the year George Jetson was born. Is it really? This is the year George Jetson was born. Okay. Wow. Does that put things in perspective? It sure does. <laughs> and you had no idea I was going to play that clip. Nope. But this is the year George Jetson was born, according to his age in the cartoon. And so you like when you look at it, think, wow, that seems so far in the future. No, they nope. they put this as his birth date. And so pretty amazing. amazing. So George Jetson, welcome to... <laughs> 2022. But yes. hologram doctors beamed to space station to visit astronauts. Again, uh, I wanted to include this one. Yeah, cool technology. Holograms, they are cool. I mean, they, they circle you with cameras, and they can project your image anywhere. Uh, let me read some of the report. I'll tell you why it's kind of creepy and cool. The team of Holocaust... Holocaust. Hologram doctors was holoported. <laughs> There's a Freudian slip. Well, what's interesting, if the hologram is used by the Antichrist, it is going to be in the Holocaust right after he appears. So yeah. you're right. But either way, he was he was holoported, holoported <laughs> to a space visit uh, astronauts living aboard the International Space Station, NASA has revealed in the new post. The hologram teams, led by NASA First Surgeon Dr. Joseph Smith uh, and Fernando de la Pina Laca, CEO of software provider Exa Aerospace, were the first humans ever to be holoported from Earth to space. And I quote, this is completely new, a new manner of human be- human communication across vast distances, Smith said in the statement. Furthermore, it is a brand new way of human exploration, where our human entity is able to travel off the planet. Listen to this statement. Our physical body is not there, but our human entity absolutely is. It's like out-of-body experience, but it's not really. I mean, everybody's still there and just the image, but again, the imagery is pretty... Not to coin a phrase or not to be punished is is, is interesting. But he, why, here's why this is interesting to me. And the slip there of the holo, uh, Holocaust maybe plays into the point I was going to make, oddly enough. And that is the Bible says that the Antichrist, when he declares himself to be God, when we quit, you know, uh, believing God and become gods, as no, Yuval Noah Harari said, this the Antichrist is going to declare that he is God. And everybody's got to bow down to him from the Temple Mount. It says he will place an image there. Now, he's not going to stay there all the time. He's going to travel around the world in his worldly duties as world leader. But he's going to apparently have an image there that speaks to the world from Jerusalem. Some, something of him, no doubt. An image of him. And so we don't know what the image is going to be. It's going to be, could it be some uh, real image that has a hologram with it? Could it just be a hologram? We don't know. But imagine he can teleport himself there, holoport himself there, and from the Temple Mount in kind of a mockery of God, because that's where God's going to be ruling and giving his dictates for a thousand years as Jesus rules and reigns. He wants to be like Jesus. He wants to mock God. He wants to be in God's seat. I will ascend to the farthest sides of the north. Standing there, he can be over in Europe doing his thing and teleport himself to the Temple Mount and then give commands and directives and messages to the world. And again, that is going to be shortly after this happens, if he uses this technology, that there'll be another Holocaust when he begins to wipe out the Jewish population during that final uh, three and a half years, those who don't flee down to Petra and get away. So very interesting. Let me ask you a question. In the midway point of this peace treaty, when he stands up in the Temple Mount, and declares himself God and everyone worships me. And then the Bible says, then the, 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 the persecution of the Jews will be unlike anything seen. Right. Since ever. the beginning of since the world. world history. Yeah. World history. And that includes World War II. Are we saying, or does the Bible say that when this declaration is made on the Temple Mount, it will be a hologram that does it, not him physically standing there no it says it will physically be him it says he himself he will announce from the temple mount i mean it would be it would be a stretch to say that it's not him and greg i think it will be because it makes a statement to the spirit realm he wants to stand where god's throne is going to be and declare himself to be god if his image just showed up you know that's kind of like i said the image i guess is going to be so realistic yeah, and it may be a physical thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but um, well, the only I think reason, he'll announce it himself from the temple. From the, it says from the third temple. I think he will do it. Okay. The only reason I, I thought that is because we've talked about this before. At the moment that he declares that he himself is God and that all must worship him. Right. And we know that God in his attributes, in his very character, the Bible tells us that God does not share his glory with any man. Right. Or any being. Right. Really. Not even the angels. Right. Okay. That God will not allow Satan to enjoy anything yeah. that has to do with glorification 
because the Bible says that at that point, all of the judgments are coming, yeah. that God's wrath in its earnest right. is going to be poured out. The only reason I said that is because what's going to happen at the end of the seven years when Jesus comes back? Is, is rulership going to be from that third temple? Yeah, let, let me hit that. But let me first of all get back to your point on the Antichrist is going to make that declaration, Greg, but then immediately starts, God pours out the bowls. And, right. I mean, he's not going to get to enjoy any glory. It's right. going to be just tragic. Exactly. So my, but, my, uh, yeah. so what I was thinking was yeah. is that how w- would God allow Satan to himself desecrate yeah. the third temple yeah. Here's by we, himself being in that temple? That's a great point. Ezekiel tells us there will be a fourth temple. Okay, never mind. And here's what's going to happen. The Lord will come back, foot on the Mount of At Olives. At the beginning for the thousand years. Thousand year reign. Okay. It, remember, the whole topography changes. The earth raises up, Jerusalem right. changes, everything shakes and is thrown down. And the Lord builds a brand new fourth temple. And, and the fourth temple is described. It gives the dimensions in Ezekiel of the fourth temple, which are not the same dimensions of the third temple. And he will rule and reign from that new raised up Jerusalem, from that temple mount. But I forgot that about that. brings That's up good. another great point, though, Greg, because people wonder why would God make a new heaven and a new earth at the end of the thousand year reign? Remember, anything Satan taints, God has to get rid of. There can be no vestige of sin or evil for the rest of eternity, right? That's right. Well, guess who was in heaven when he fell? Heaven has been tainted, if you will, yes. by Satan being there and sinning and getting thrown out. So God will now create a new heaven and a new earth that has never been touched by sin or evil, and that's where we'll be for the rest of eternity. So he'll do the same thing for the fourth temple in Jerusalem when he comes back. Oh, that's straightened me out. Good, yeah, because I was, th- I was thinking to myself, how would he allow Satan to desecrate the temple That's a great like that? point. You're there thinking you go. good. You're thinking good. Thinking on, yep. on the right track. Yep, yep, okay. yep. Well, let's get on the right track. Let's, let's get do some it. good news. Yeah. To end our show today, this is from ChristianHeadlines.com. Tony Dungy defends appearing at a DeSantis fatherhood event, saying, I am serving the Lord. Please explain. Yeah, what a godly man. You know, you got to love Coach Dungy, a godly man, and always he's not afraid to make a stand for Christ. And again, anytime you do that, especially if you're a celebrity and you're well-known, you're going to take some heat. And that happened to Tony Dungy, but good for him and his stand that he made. Football analyst Tony Dungy. Uh, last week took part in an event during uh, which DeSantis, that's Governor DeSantis from Florida, signed a bill, HB 7065, that supports responsible and involved fatherhood in Florida. Who could oppose that? Anyway, the bill is tied to uh, $70 million in funding for, among other things, educational programs and mentorship programs. Social media was filled with criticism of Dungy for appearing alongside DeSantis, a Republican and a potential candidate for the 2024 GOP nomination. Dungy, who formerly coached a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said he had no regrets. And I quote, two days ago, I spoke on behalf of a Florida bill that supports dads and families and it offended some people. Dungy tweeted 14 years ago, President Obama said the same thing almost verbatim. I'm assuming people were outraged at him, too. I am serving the Lord. So I'll keep supporting dads. And families. Dungy in the tweet referenced a quote by Obama where the former president said, and I quote, children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of schools, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Wow, what a, what a sad what statistic. A but how wonderful to see, um, you know, Governor DeSantis, Tony Dungy, and others making a stand for these dads and saying, let's, let's do something to help the dads and do something to help these kids out. And so it's a wonderful thing. But remember, anytime you make a stand for something righteous, the, there's going to be those that are evil that will come out and will attack you. And so a great feel-good yeah. story to end. But also I want to follow up on a quick feel-good story, yeah. Greg, before we finish. And that sure. is I want to just say thank you for all of those that may be listening that came to our uh, resurrection celebration, our Easter celebration yeah. at the Civic Auditorium. Uh, we had a great turnout. We had a great time. It was a great day. Uh, we Again, we saw some people give their life to Christ that yep. day. We saw a lot of encouragement happen. It was just a great time. And if you came that day and you still don't have a church, I want to, again, give you the personal invitation. You're welcome at Calvary Chapel here at 3330 West Governor John Sevier uh, to come join us on Sundays and Wednesdays. We'd love to have you. Don't just float out there if you were there and you were, even if you didn't give your life to the Lord, but you were interested and you want to know more. Just know that we're here and you're always invited. And that same invite goes out for anybody who doesn't have a home church. Um, or and or maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. We'd love to invite you to Calvary yeah. Chapel uh, to join us and be with us. If you have a home church, go to your home church. Don't miss church. Go to your home church and be there. Not only because they need you, but because you need to be in the congregation of God's people, especially as the Bible says, as we see the day approaching. So just want to give a uh, kind of a 
an encouragement to any that may have been visitors that came to see us and to, to be with us, and maybe they're listening to the program now. Yeah. Know that we're here for you if you have any questions, and you have a home with us at Calvary Chapel. Absolutely, Pastor Mark. And also, too, for those people that might be hesitating, remember the spiritual battle that we're in. The enemy, Satan, doesn't want you to congregate with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's right. He wants to isolate you. That's right. So he can give you his own gospel. Yep. Uh, But Jesus has a different gospel, and it's to love you and to give you life and life more abundantly and not to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. Come to the cross. Absolutely. Come to the cross. Come to to Calvary. Go to a church that's teaching God's word. And uh, we love you guys. Uh, Don't forget the waymedia.net or the waymedia app where you can uh, not only listen to our 24-hour radio station, WIM, but listen to all the content that we provide here from Calvary Knoxville. Have a great weekend, and we will see you back here next Friday at 1.30 as we look at more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM. has arrived and it's always meant something to more than your kids your life is impacted too with summer habits broken new routines become crazy stressful there are kids who can't get along in the back seat someone who forgot something they should have remembered and maybe even someone who just doesn't care you're the coach the teacher the cook the taxi driver and the healer of boo-boos we're rooting for you parents you've got this w-i-a-m 101.1 fm the way I was convinced your love is on a mission and I am the target.